As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, the international break is almost over and the Arsenal are back in action on Sunday facing Everton at Goodison Park. Uh, we'll look ahead to that. Um, before we do, uh, hello to Art de Rocher and Adrian Clark. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Morning. <laughs> nice to see you guys. Um, Declan Rice has spoken about his first day at the Arsenal saying, I was nervous. He said, the first time I was in, Arteta put a sticker on me saying, hello, I'm the new person. I mean, I love that. He said, I felt like Will from the in-betweeners walking past the under-18s and under-21s in a canteen <laughs> trying to hide my chest. Um, hard to hide that. Hard to hide that chest, really. Oh, it's out, isn't it? It's out. It's puffed up. Very and much. it's like, there it is. Um, uh, oh, I mean... What was it like the first day you had the athletic? Did uh, how, how was that? What 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 was that like? Big welcoming committee was there. I had to like set up my computer and everything, and then I spent the rest of the day at home because it was lockdown. So oh, I see, I see. Probably a lot of people can maybe relate to that over the past couple of years, few years, I should say. Yeah. So you basically did no work on your first day. You got away <laughs> with it. I'm not sure about that, but um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people were probably in a similar situation. So not much embarrassment as was the case with Declan Rice. No, quite. Nobody put a sticker on you. <laughs> not they couldn't, could they? No. They weren't allowed within two foot of you, to be honest with you. Adrian, what about you? First at the Arsenal, what was that like? <laughs> Scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, leaving home of course. When, when when first actual day at the Arsenal was... How old were you? 16? Yeah, it would have been oh, 16. Oh, child. Um, yeah, now I remember going to a barbecue and after the barbecue, I was heading up to Enfield where, where I was going to go in digs. So I was sort of leaving home um, and then starting in the big world. It was, yeah, I actually felt a little bit emotional looking back at it. Well, why wouldn't it? You're a 16 year old <laughs> kid and you're leaving home yeah. to go and live in digs. Digs. Oh, they were lovely, <laughs> I mean, though. 
They were I mean, that's so arc. <laughs> I know, I'm sure they were, but even still, it doesn't really happen now, yeah, does no, it? No, it doesn't, it doesn't really happen now. Well, does it? I don't know if it happens anymore. I, I mean, there's got to be players that come from overseas that have to go and live with somebody, surely. So I, I suppose these days their families are flown over and everything, aren't they? But but yeah, no, I mean, that was scary. The one the one that really springs to mind is, is first day at Stevenage. Um, so I'd been knocking around in pre-season um, sort of training myself and I went on trial at a couple of places and it was all dragging out and I was, I was beginning to get a little bit panicky about getting a contract and then Stevenage would they were just on my case the whole summer and he said come on come come to us you know it's going to be great blah 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 so my first day <laughs> you'll love this my first day before I'd trained before I'd met anyone my first day was a friendly at home to the Arsenal. <laughs> so, I was like, it goes right. It goes, we'll get you in, we'll sign the papers and then um, and then we'll play the game. Like we've got Arsenal. It's a week before the season. So Arsenal were fully fit and, and Arsene Wenger was very determined, I think, to put out his strongest team, as you would, the week before the season. And I was like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> this is, it doesn't get any harder in terms of first days because... No. You know, I'm playing for Stevenage with all due respect against against Arsenal. It's 2000, and uh, they were pretty useful. And uh, <laughs> yeah. but it turned out all right. I sort of just just sort of sucked it up, and yeah, saw a few old faces, and which was relaxed me. And then I did all right in the game. Um, I think I, I skipped round Dicko a couple of times, which did, did please me. But other than that. It was basically just chasing the ball um, because Arsenal was so good. 6-0, we lost. And uh, Thierry Henry scored a hat-trick. Unbelievable hat-trick. And I'll be honest, I felt a little bit embarrassed because there I was, three years on from leaving Arsenal. And I used to play with that lot. And now I was playing for a team that were getting spanked 6-0. And I felt... I did. If I'm, if I'm being brutally honest, I felt a little bit embarrassed about what had happened and how I'd fallen, I suppose, since I'd left Arsenal. But, but you know, there was no need to be ashamed. These things happen, don't they? But I did feel a bit, yeah, didn't feel great about it. But I tried, tried to enjoy the day as best I could. And, and look, everyone at Stevenage welcomed me with open arms and I was off and running and, yeah, played the first game the next week and it was all good. So, um, but yeah, that was some first day at a new job, that was. That is that is some first day <laughs> in a new job. I, I was weird about that story because it started off quite funny and at the end I felt quite sad. <laughs> I should have, but, but it showed the level. You know, when, you're, when you're on the other team, <laughs> when you're chasing Arsenal and they're passing and moving and zipping the ball around and, and you're, you know, you're not getting a kick... It does make you think. Oh, yeah, I used to play for that team, and now and now I'm on this team, and and, yeah. and it, it was a, it was a bit of a rude awakening, as, as in as into sort of what had happened, I guess, in my career. But you can't afford to feel sorry for yourself. You just got to get on with it, um, and and actually, you've got no, to enjoy quite. it. And and I did enjoy playing against Henri. I enjoyed playing against Parler and Dixon on that side, and um, it yeah. And it was a full house at, at Broadhall Way, so it was there was lots to enjoy. But there was a little bit of me that thought, oh, you know, I've fallen down a bit, haven't I? Of course, but you went past Lee Dixon a couple of times by two thousand. Yeah. That wasn't too difficult, was it? <laughs> <laughs> I started this job in this engineering office, and um, it's my first. Uh, it was a few days in actually, and I decided to write down all my 
incomings and outgoings on a bit of paper just to see how I was getting on. And for whatever reason, I don't know, I mislaid the bit of paper and this bloke who was sitting in the office next to me found a bit of paper with incomings and outgoings, no name on it. And he look, he, 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 he calls me over and he goes, hey, pity the poor bastard who earns this, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and I went, yeah, yeah. That was one of the worst moments of my entire life. But anyway, um, while we're here, right, Declan Rice, while we're here, we are here, we're recording the podcast. Declan Rice, obviously a great start to his Arsenal career, also looked very, very useful for England um, in the last few games. Art, you wrote a piece about his presence, essentially, more about the fact that that's what Mikel Arteta has spoken about so much, Declan Rice's presence. We've all seen it with our own eyes, uh, two Man of the Match performances in four games. I mean, for me, it was the tackles, and the, the, when he was trying to intercept it, we talked about this uh, the other week against May United. But those moments, it didn't just lift the crowd, it lifted his teammates, it lifted. It felt like it lifted the whole club. Yeah, I think that's the main thing that I guess I noticed, especially in his first few games against, I think it was Man City in Monaco in pre-season, where those moments against, I think it was Rodri, and Bernardo Silva at Wembley. Decent players. That had a massive effect, I think, on on those that were in the stadium, both on the pitch and off it. And then also against Monaco at the Emirates, there were a couple of moments in the first half where, again, he just takes control of the situation. And as you say, it's not just the thing where it lifts the crowd, but everyone kind of gets a boost from it. So yeah, presence was a word, but you can probably use different words. Presence was just the one I went with because that's oh, yeah. what Arteta mentioned um, when talking about Xhaka, because <laughs> as we know, um, managers have always loved him, um, but fans haven't really seen what was there all the time. And that was the word Arteta used. So yeah, it's been nice to see that presence is still there in the Arsenal midfield and as, as you said earlier, it's probably going to be much needed against Everton of all teams. Adrian, there are players, and you've obviously played with plenty, who have that aura about them. They have, I mean, obviously he's got a bit of time on the ball, but it's not like, like when, say, Carnu used to get it. And, he, and space used to open up in front of him. And you think, I don't even know how he does that. It's just Declan Rice has a way, his anticipation, and, and Art talked about this quite a lot in the piece, he anticipates and he reads the game very, very well. He does, yeah. Um, yeah, the player that I played with, and it's a bit of a name drop here, but the player I played with that he's closest to is Vieira in yeah. terms of, yeah. of, of that anticipation, that presence. If you're talking about presence and an aura... You know, just reading everything and understanding the game better than pretty much everybody else on the field. I think that's what Declan Rice does. He loves football, doesn't he? He absolutely loves it. You can tell he's a little bit of a scholar of the game. And I think that really helps. He's got great game intelligence. And look, he's, he's sort of, he's learned under a defensive coach, hasn't he, in David Moyes. And I'm not a huge fan of David Moyes, but he's taught him well in terms of the positions that he needs to take up. 
But most of it is is down to natural anticipation and game awareness, I think. But he's also someone that gets around the pitch. I got onto our friends at Opt to find out distance covered. This is sort of a, a stat that doesn't really get published. Declan Rice covered 12.01 kilometres, pretty much on the nose, 12 kilometres. Next closest was Martin Erdegaard with 11.19 kilometres. Quite a big difference. And there's only actually five players that, that got over 10k in the game. So he is motoring around the pitch, just waiting to break up play and, and also to make things happen on the ball. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I think, yeah, I think that's pretty clear. I think we all are. £105 million bargain, really. Uh, Art, one of the things you said in the piece, uh, in possession, he knew when to pass or drive forward to start attacks, but also played a lot of passes with the purpose of slowing things down when the game was too frantic. This is against Manchester United. I mean, I, I think we all noticed this. There were times when things got a bit crazy. Frantic is obviously the word. And he would just step in and he'd take it back five yards, lay it out wide or lay it back to, to Rambo or whoever and calm things down. I mean, that calm that he has. We saw it a lot from Thomas Partey in the first half of last season. But is he taking it to another level or, or are we just seeing someone doing that job that Partey was doing? I'd probably lends close to the latter option there just because that's how I feel one thing I found really interesting was when he was speaking to Joe Cole ahead of the England Ukraine match he said the person that he's actually been surprised by the most at Arsenal is Jorginho yeah and it's because of those sorts of moments how he's able to basically dictate a game and that's something obviously Arsenal were probably looking at as an area for improvement Rice because as Adrian mentioned he's not really been asked to do that at West Ham consistently so for me it's been a real bonus to see he's got that presence of mind on the ball as well as off it because if we look at the Fulham game for instance he was a lot more I guess progressive with his passing kind of going through the lines but then against Man United there was just moments where it did get a bit crazy and you just thought okay thank you for playing that simple pass because that's what Arsenal needed to take the sting out of the game and looking through I guess the rest of the season is something Arsenal will probably need a lot of because there are times so far this season where everything's been a bit 100 miles an hour and you don't want it like that for the whole game so no really really promising start yeah, and Adrian, Art mentioned Jorginho there. This guy's won everything. He's won European Championships. He's won Champions Leagues. You've played with these sort of players, Adrian. It does improve your game, doesn't it? It has to improve your game if you're intelligent and you're watching them and you're trying to learn. You can't have 11 Sackers. You can't have 11 Gabriel Jesus. It would be carnage. So you've got, you got to have players with different skill sets and different mentalities in a way. And... Yeah, these are the players that do the sort of quiet work, that lay the platform and set the tone for for what the eye catchers go out and do, really. So with, without a Jorginho and a Rice, you know, calming things at the right times, regaining possession in good areas, these star players can't go and do their thing and, and hurt fullbacks or, or defenders in the same way. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of both players. I would like to see them play together. I sort of it worked out okay against Manchester United. 
in the end, it was fine. Just, <laughs> we left just. it late, um, and and we did dominate the game, and we did we were vastly superior, I think, to them. I think we asked a lot of Declan in the game defensively, especially when they were breaking on us. I, I just think I was looking at England last night, and I'm not not saying Arteta should should take anything from Gareth Southgate because he's on a different level to Gareth Southgate. But I quite like Declan Rice in that double pivot with Calvin Phillips last night with Bellingham in front, and you know Declan with Jorginho with Erdegaard in front. I like it. I think that's a really <laughs> hard-working unit. No room for Havertz is what you're saying. <laughs> no, yeah, no, exactly. I'm not saying for this game. I'm just saying for a game yeah. coming up soon. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the North London derby. I don't know. Just, I just think that that, that, is, that has potential to be a great unit. Yeah, I think. Yeah, because let's not forget how good Jorginho was at the back end of last season. He kept Thomas Partey out of the team on merit. So, right. yeah, I, th- I think he could be a key player in the coming months. All right. Well, we'll talk about the Everton game in a short while and also about the Men's and Women's Champions League. Ian Stone here with Art de Roche and Adrian Clark on Handbrake Off. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Ian Stone, Adrian Clark, and Art de Roche. Everton away on Sunday afternoon at 4.30. Adrian, we got a terrible record there. 11 Premier League visits. We won two, drawn three, lost six. We've none of the last five. We've won nought, drawn one, lost four. They're a terrible team. <laughs> Really, they've managed bad. to score. They've really, you know, they've they've lost three and drawn one, and yet, and yet, when we don't like going to Goodison, so 
I look at our team and think, well, whoever we pick, we should be able to beat them. But, uh, uh, you know, I've almost certainly said the same thing about Fulham. So what do we have to do on Sunday? Not be bullied, because Sean Dyche, he loves it. He, he loves to think that his teams will bully Arsenal every single time they play against us. I know that there's different ways to play football. And, and well, it's, it's pragmatic, isn't it's it, with, with the personnel they've got? I mean, he kept Everton up last season, he did, just. He did. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't like it, but he, always, he seems to have a bee in his bonnet about Arsenal. He seems to have had that for, for a number of years. He takes great pleasure in upsetting us. So I would take great pleasure in us turning it on on Sunday at Goodison Park. I don't see any reason why we can't. But yeah, well, you've got to stand up to the... To the, to the physicality of Everton. You've got to not give away too many corners and free kicks because that is their their best hope of, of scoring. So we really, I really want us to control this game. A little bit like, like we, did, the game, like we yeah. did against Crystal yeah. Palace. Control the game, play it in Everton's half. And look, on the rare occasions where they do get inside our final third, we just got to defend like we did against Crystal Palace towards the end of, the, uh, of that game. So... If we do control it and play with a bit of a verve and good movement, pull their defenders around, we should win the game comfortably. I, you know, and I mean scoring two, three, four goals even. I, I, we're good enough to do that against Everton. They are poor. They are poor. Uh, I mean, our, if, we're, if we have aspirations and pretensions to win the title, we have to go to Everton, a team like Everton, who are, who are relegation material, really, and go and win. I mean, that's surely what Mikel Arteta will say to them. Going into this one, as you say, if you're looking to challenge City again, when you've already dropped points this season, I think you have to kind of get that momentum back. And for all intents and purposes, it looks like they got it against Man United and the players who were involved in the international breaks seem to have carried that through with their national teams as well. Yeah, and I'll ask you this first. England didn't use uh, Eddie and Ketty. I'm not quite sure what Gareth Southgate was thinking keeping Harry Kane on the pitch for all that time. But anyway, he brought Eddie along just to sit on a bench and watch an England game from <laughs> close up. It seemed a bit annoying to me, but would you start Eddie or is it time for Gabriel Jesus to come back in? What I would do is start Jesus against Everton, Eddie against PSV, and then Jesus against Tottenham. So uh, that's how I'd kind of spread the minutes during the week. Because yeah, I wouldn't want Jesus going into the Tottenham game without having started in this season so far. Adrian, you're nodding along. You sort of basically agree with that analysis? Yeah, yeah. and it's harsh on Eddie because he, he couldn't have done much much more. But but Jesus is is the better striker. He's, he's the number yeah, one, he's, isn't he? Yeah, and, and if he's fit, and he is fit now, you play him. You definitely play him in a tough fixture like this. I know we're saying, we're saying Everton are poor, but because of our record there... You have to say this is a tough fixture for us. So let's yeah. get our best team out there on the pitch and, and get the job done and hopefully be 3-0 up by the hour mark. And then we can maybe, you know, give, give a few people a breather. That would be my attitude. I want a really steely focus from Arsenal in this game. I don't want us turning up there thinking we're going to just tippy-tappy around Everton and, 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 and yeah, our quality will automatically help us win the game. I don't think they'd think like that anyway. I want us to be hard. I want us to be strong, robust, but also ruthless and just put the game to bed um, as early as we can. And then, and then, and yeah. Adrian, does our best team contain Kai Havertz? <laughs> it's a tough one. Do you know what? I think I would play Kai 
against PSV because he's got a very good reputation in the Champions League. Chelsea fans will tell you that he saved a lot of his best performances for under the lights in that competition. Scored the winner in the final. Exactly. So I would definitely play Kai against PSV. Um, and just because Fabio Vieira has come on in the last two games and been great, I think he probably does deserve an opportunity um, to to start this game. So yeah, that, I'd probably make those two changes. I'd, I'd bring in Vieira and, and Jesus for the game. I wouldn't mess around with, with anyone else. I mean, that does speak quite a lot about Vieira and his progress that, that Adrian is talking about, bringing him in against a team as physical as Everton as well. Yeah, that is well. That is a good point, but but he's got to get he's got to get used to it, haven't you? So, it's true. Yeah. It, is the pre- it is the Premier League. One other thing, by the way, um, there were a couple of good performances uh, in the international break, not least by um, Tommy Asu. Uh, Tommy was man of the match. Germany thumped four one by Japan. Oh, you know, we obviously lamented and are still lamenting the loss of Jurian uh, Timber, but Tommy. He is also Timber, isn't he? He can play across the bat line. He can do that job. And if he gets better at the inverted fullback thing, which I think he is, by the way, there was a couple of times when he popped yeah. up in central midfield. And we all looked <laughs> against Man United and we all thought, is that, is that Tommy? That's Tommy with the ball there, isn't it? Again, it's just that thing of you have quality options in a lot of areas. Yeah. So with his performance against Germany, again, at left-sided centre-back, I thought, what was really promising was he basically picked up where he left off against Man United, even though it was a different position. He looked confident both with and without the ball. Japan's first two goals actually come from him switching play. Uh, one was off his left foot, one was off his right foot. Um, then I think there were a couple of moments as well where he, he had to cover defensively basically the whole <laughs> half of the yeah. pitch and he did it really well against Havertz and Sane. So, yeah, I think for him, it's all about confidence. He's spoken a few times about how he doesn't feel he's played well at certain points where everyone else on the outside thought he was doing well. And I guess it just speaks to his own standards. I think that's really beneficial for Arsenal. There's an argument to suggest that Tommy Asu, even though he's not in any of our starting 11s, is one of Mikel Arteta's most important players at the moment. I I would certainly agree with that sentiment because he's shown for Japan and a, a couple of times for us that he's a pretty good centre back. I think he's I think he's an excellent cover for William Saliba on that right side centre back position. But we all know he's a natural right back, so that's perfect cover. And then we need him sometimes to shore things up. Um, if Zinchenko is is replaced late on in games. So he is going to get a lot of game time and he's going to be really, really important for us. So so the fact that he shone so brightly for Japan and I saw the highlights of the game, he was great. It's, it's, it's a real bonus for us. Japan actually rotated quite a bit when they played Turkey afterwards. So he was on the bench, but as soon as they went 4-2 up with about 10 minutes to go, he was brought on to just kind of close things out. So... I think that's just another bit of context that would be nice for people to know. We'll talk about the women in a minute. The 25-man Champions League squad uh, was announced. A few surprises, really. <laughs> I didn't expect to see Cedric in the squad. But I suppose the one... Art, oh, you watch the youth. Tell us about Lino Sousa. <laughs> left back, right? Yeah, left back. 
has been at Arsenal for about 18 months. So the reason I guess he would be included in the Champions League squad is because he's not eligible for the B list because he hasn't been at Arsenal for right. two years. But in terms of him as a player, his real strength is getting around the outside and getting crosses into the box. But ever since he came to Arsenal about 18 months ago, he's been learning to invert. Um, spoke to him about that last December. And he said he's obviously speaking to Zinchenko a lot about that role. And he has been doing it for the under-21s for about, yeah, 18 months now. So that's promising. And yeah, as just someone, he's been around that first team group quite a lot. So he went to Nuremberg, not this summer, but the summer before. Um, I was actually sat on a table with Mikel Arteta, Albert, Albert Stoivenberg, Rob Holden and Moel Nenny, just with this socialising kind of thing that randomly popped up. So he's quite a confident young chap then, isn't he, really, if he's sharing a table <laughs> with those guys? Yeah. Well, I don't think he chose the seating plan. <laughs> no, he, he wouldn't have fancied it. He would not have fancied that. He'd have been like, yeah. where's my mate? <laughs> but he said, to be fair, that he did kind of enjoy their company and it was quite nice to actually have a conversation with the manager. Um, but yeah, in terms of his journey so far, he's been very well liked and rated by Arsenal. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets any opportunities. I'm not sure if he will, because the European games under Arteta, he's tended to stick with his kind of trusted guys. But if he does get an opportunity, that would be great. In terms of the women uh, in the Champions League, they're not in the Champions League, surprisingly, really. They drew three all against Paris and they lost on penalties. Jonas Aidvel said it, he was slightly tactically surprised. I mean, you don't often hear a manager talk like that, do you? In terms of what Edeval said, I think it just speaks to how honest he can be at times. Do we really need that, that level of honesty from a coach? I personally would prefer that. If everyone can see there was something that stood out and the manager didn't recognize it or maybe they did and they didn't act, I'd like if they would admit that. And from just a, a bigger picture perspective, I don't think it's just the football and stuff that is disappointing for a Arsenal women not getting the Champions League. But you saw in the last two seasons, they've really been able to build themselves kind of as a brand with those Champions League nights at the Emirates. So I think that could potentially hurt them as well in terms of not being able to have that this season to really kind of, I guess, drive the club. This does set us back a little bit, doesn't it? It definitely does. Yeah, I, I watched the highlights of it. I, yeah, I couldn't watch it live either. But what struck me was the, the team. I, 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 don't, I think if he had another go at it, it would pick a very different team. Russo was on the bench. Katie McCabe was on the bench. I don't think Palova's had a lot of football, but Palova was also on the bench. We went 2-0 down. Bang. All three come off the bench straight away within a minute. And hey, presto, we end up scrambling a 2-2 draw and then a 3-3. So I think we maybe picked the wrong the wrong team. I don't, I don't love the format, do you? I mean, no. very early on in pre-season to go and have to play a mini tournament on foreign soil, on an artificial pitch. Unless you're Russo, this is what, how long? About 10 days after she played in the world? They had a break. No, but, but not yeah, long. Not long, was it? Not long before no, she's playing no. on an artificial pitch in uh, in Sweden or wherever it was. Yeah. And Beth Mead was on the bench. I don't think she came on in either game, but 
the reason she probably didn't come on is because it was an artificial pitch. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think you should, especially if you've got a little four-team mini tournament. I understand you need to get two games together in quick succession. I think teams with artificial pitches should be excluded from the opportunity to be the hosts because because it, it is a massive advantage. And if you're not used to it. I think it's 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 not ideal, and, it, and there were certain players in every squad, in every team, across the world, that that don't uh, aren't really able to play on these pitches properly because of the way that they're built and and, and the impact it has on their on their bodies afterwards. So, uh, yeah, I'm not using it as an excuse. Obviously, we didn't play well, we made mistakes, but yeah, I, I, the format seems quite brutal um you know to have to win those two games and then qualify for a two-legger it's it's quite it's asking a lot in what is effectively pre-season yeah man city have been burnt by it as well in recent seasons and arsenal had to do it two seasons ago so that was almost similar circumstances because it was after the tokyo olympics if you guys remember so yeah. All the big names had to be kind of rushed back. And then it was almost a kind of backwards way of working because Edeval had to kind of figure out different points within the season to give them rests because you obviously want to qualify for the Champions League. You have to yeah. use your best players. So it is a really kind of odd way to do things. Do you think uh, this has totally scuppered our prospects of getting Mary Earps? Because obviously heavily linked with Arsenal, I think she wants to come. Um, maybe she wouldn't be so keen now. I mean, with Manchester United, maybe in the Champions League. From what I kind of understood, it wasn't really likely to happen this window anyway. Oh, OK. Um, basically, with her contract situation being what it was, Arsenal had to be in that conversation, really. <laughs> as as a really big club in the WSL. But yeah, just from what I gather and the conversations I've had, it wasn't looking like one that they were going to properly push for like they did with, say, Russo last year. Um, it was just kind of one where they wanted to be at the table. Let's, uh, let's get the England captain back and the two best strikers in the WSL and win that competition. And then uh, back in next year, guaranteed. I think. Uh, exactly. And let's, well, of course it is. Without the uh, tiring trips of European football, this is how we have to console ourselves. Let's have a song before we go. Adrian, what you got? Um, Everton, bogey ground. Not a place we've enjoyed going in recent years. But, yeah, we've got to go with something different this time. You know, new mentality. New, You know, we've got to make sure we learn from our mistakes. And we've got to put some new shoes on. So I'm going to go with uh, Paolo Nettini, uh new shoes. <laughs> because just just something to just change a little bit of our luck. Uh, go to some park. That'd be nice. Yes, that would be nice. Art, what you got? There's a kind of mixture of reasons for why I've gone with this. One is because it's been on my TikTok and it can't get out of my head. (laughs) The other reason I think you'll find out by the title. So it's Competition by Azalea Banks because I feel like now we're getting to the stage in the season where a lot of those squad players are going to start getting used and hopefully they will benefit from those minutes and hopefully Arsenal will too.
Should, uh, any Irish listeners who are not very keen on Azalea Banks because of some of her comments in the yeah, past. Yeah, I, I was also going to say I'm not picking that because of the artist. I don't really like. It's just a quite catchy song. Yeah, no, so. she she does do some catchy tunes. There's no getting away from it. But she has upset people. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah. that's it for this edition of Handbreak Off. Thanks to Art. Thanks to Adrian. Thanks to Jay, our producer. Thank you for listening. I'm Ian Stone. And see you, hopefully, after a nice three points on Monday. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.